1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On the Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. This is 105.9 The Region. I'm Tina Cortez with On The Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show. Our expert from Remax Prime Properties is Asif Khan. Good morning, Asif. Good morning, Tina. Now you've got today's first guest and it's all about luxury this morning. It sure is. And joining us is the president of Remax Canada, Christopher Alexander. Christopher, welcome back to On The Market. Hey guys, good to talk to you again. Christopher, I know Remax just released their 2023 luxury report. And with the spring market amping up, luxury sales are expected to climb. But what can you tell us about the growing demand for these types of properties? Well, generally speaking, from coast to coast, we're headed in the right direction. And sales in the first quarter of this year are stronger than they were in the fourth quarter of last year. And so, you know, all signs are pointing to a rebound. However, much like the rest of of the market, there's just very little product available. And there's a log jam right now in every segment that has bled up into the premium. And it's it's created a bit of a, a feeling of trappedness because you know, at the first time buyers that can't get in because of low inventory and steep competition is affecting the move up buyer who then can't move up to the next segment and which is affecting luxury as well. And so it's really been a bit of a parallel. Uh, the only segment that sh- has shown a little bit of movement um, on, on the negative side is, is super premium. So over 10 million. But it's like one and a one and a quarter percent reduction, and that's just nominal for for that group of homeowners. So, um, yeah, there's just not enough supply, and demand is spilling upwards. Consumers have a newfound sense of confidence. I think you're feeling that too, Asif. But um, overall, it's a very similar story to the rest of the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about inventory in a moment. Um, and I know you you mentioned that it's it's getting busier, but are you a little bit surprised by, that some you know might be headed in this direction, considering that there are others in the market who are tightening their economic belts? Um, surprise, no, because throughout all of the this whole inflationary periods and interest rate increases there's been this underlying feeling of demand, but on the sidelines. And so people have wanted to buy homes. It was kind of the same thing when the pandemic started, where when the market stopped, you kind of felt that there were still a lot of people that wanted to buy homes, uh, but they were prevented uh, from doing so. Back then it was a virus. Right now it's because interest rates have gone up so much so quickly. And so I'm not that surprised because the demand has been there. It's just been on the sideline. And Christopher, when we're comparing 2022 and Q4 to 2023 and Q1, we've seen an uptick in a lot of these luxury markets. 
Does any of the market surprise you with how much they've increased or decreased? No, but but what is shocking is just how little proc there is. Like in Rosedale, for example, I think there was one or two homes in the first quarter for sale uh, over five million, and that's that's a big pocket of 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 housing in in Toronto, and so. That to me is pretty shocking, despite, I mean, especially when you consider all of the doom and gloom predictions from a lot of banks and economists, we never saw the flood of inventory that many had predicted would come as a result of distress and not being able to make their mortgages. And so to me, that's the big shock is just how little product there is. And what can you tell us about the trends that you're noticing in the current market? just that there's a renewed sense of confidence and the bank of Canada delivered on their promise of, of keeping rates stable. Um, many are predicting a decrease towards the end of this year. Scotia bank released that they're going to start cutting their rates probably in June by a quarter point and a quarter point thereafter each month uh, until October. So that would be a whole re- uh, point reduction. And so, that's giving consumers a lot of confidence. And back to the old story that we've been talking about since we started doing these interviews, we've got a housing uh, shortage problem in Canada and record immigration numbers is gonna continue to put upward pressure on pricing. We don't have the ability to build enough homes to meet that situational demand in itself. And so really it's just a matter of time until the market really gets going again. And however, I do believe we're going to be in this tight inventory, tight transactional environment for the foreseeable future until we can convince more people to list their homes. And Christopher, when we're looking at the average price and the declines that we've seen over the last three quarters, what we're missing is the upper end of the supply or the sales. Once you take that upper end out, you know, the two, three, four million dollar homes, that's definitely going to affect the average price. How much of the average price decline do you attribute to the luxury market being quieter and how much to the interest rates? Well, I've read a stat that uh, on a Toronto Regional Real Estate Board, 70% of sales last month were under 1.2 million. So I would say... Interest rates definitely played a big role, but most sales were like a lot of people in that segment probably locked in their mortgages uh, or they've worked with their banks to adjust their amortization periods. And I would say it's hard to make a distinction off of like, I would say it's almost equal. And Christopher, can you give us the broad strokes on the luxury home sales list? You know, what market is at the top of the list and where did the GTA land? Uh, GTA is up 4%. I know that Montreal was the only major city that was, uh, you know, Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, Calgary was the only major city that had uh, more inventory this quarter of this year than it did last year. And I was talking to the Montreal Gazette earlier this week and they were telling me that there's just a swath of listings over 1.5 million in, in both freehold sector and condo sector. 
so that was surprising for me to hear because Montreal is such a great city. It offers so much, but as that reporter reminded me, uh, the language barrier is a big prohibitor for employment in the province. And so if a bunch of people could learn French, they'd probably find a really great deal compared to Toronto or Vancouver if they went to Montreal. And Christopher, one one stat that surprised me was the 38.7% increase for Hamilton Burlington. How, how did that come about? And was that surprising to you as well? It, Hamilton was surprising because they were the one city in the Golden Horseshoe that had greater inventory numbers year over year throughout this last six months. Uh, so that was surprising. I think, though, you've got a lot of people that look at what you can get for 3 $4 million in Toronto and are disappointed because it's not what you would consider luxury for most people. But if you spend $3 $4 million in Burlington, uh, you're getting a really incredible house. And so that, that in itself is worth mentioning because I think a lot of people are struggling in Toronto proper uh, with the amount of house you get for the amount you pay. And if inventory is the problem, that's not an easy or fast fix. What is the solution then, do you think? Well, I think we need the federal government to kind of stop talking out of both sides of their mouth. And what I, I mean, it's controversial, but what I mean by that is they're talking about affordability and they want affordable housing, yet they're welcoming a tremendous amount of new Canadians every single year with no national housing strategy to tackle the demand. And so we need to have a, a national housing strategy to start, and that's going to take all three levels of government that, to work together. We need to find a way to attract labor workers as immigrants instead of uh, just highly educated, um, you know, people with good jobs and, and good monetary backgrounds, which that, those are great too, but we're going to need people to build homes as much as we need doctors and nurses. And so I think the, the government really needs to focus on the, the issue or we're going to continue to see rising prices. It's certainly a disconnect because the one thing we hear from builders is they, they do want to build. They don't have the the supplies or the trade workers to go ahead and do that. The other stat that was interesting about building more houses, Christopher, was the fact that 30% of the price of the home is actually government-related, so taxes or development charges or and things like that. Where do you think the government is going to step in and, and pull back on those, or are they, and why or why not? Well, there's been such incredible spending at the government level, I don't see how they can take their, their foot off the tax pedal, <laughs> which is a shame, uh, especially when you consider land transfer tax in Ontario just on on price increases alone has skyrocketed. Um, but because of the environment that we're in um, and the amount of debt governments took on uh, during the pandemic, they're going to need to tax people. 
and so I don't I don't see that changing. Um, I guess what you can hope for is a better management of of resources and and income so that we can tackle issues without taking on more debt. Frederick Christopher, I know we got a little bit off track from the luxury report, but if people want to read more about the Remax 2023 luxury report, where can they find it? Blog.remax.ca. Thank you so much for your time, and we look forward to having you on again. Thanks for having me, guys. After the break, the list of the most affordable GTA communities. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's radio real estate show. Over to my co-host and our real estate expert, Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties with today's next guest, Asif. Thank you, Tina. Joining us next is Oahi CEO Benji Katchen. Benji, welcome to On the Market. Hi, Asif. How are you doing today? Great. Now, for for our listeners that don't know, Wahi is a digital real estate platform, and Wahi analyzed GTA home sales data from Q1 in 2023 and have assembled a list of who had the lowest median prices for detached homes. Benji, any surprises? Tell our listeners a little bit about what you found. Asif, I wouldn't say that we were surprised per se, uh, but what was interesting to me was there's a lot of hype with houses have gone up during the pandemic and then they fell over the last little bit as interest rates have risen. And really the question we were trying to figure out is where are they settling? And what we actually found was five communities where there's still detached houses for under a million. Uh, they're a little bit in the outer reaches of the GTA, but I wouldn't say there's a surprise there, but uh, that's what we found. Okay, so take us through the list. Who made the top five? So the top of the list was Oshawa and Durham region at a median price of 836000 And then the others to round it out were Clarington and Durham, Georgina and York, Brock and Durham region, and actually, the one thing that did surprise me was uh, the uh, old city of York and the city of Toronto uh, that came in just a smidgen above a million dollars. And now, of course, detached homes aren't in everyone's budget, but if the average price was around 1.4 for that, what did you find on other homes and, and what are people really focused on over Q1? We, uh, what we've actually discovered in Q1 is a big shift in the market from underbidding to overbidding. We actually developed a tool where we look at uh, what's actually happening in the market uh, up to the minute. And just three months ago, 91% of the neighborhoods in the GTA were underbid neighborhoods. Uh, we've actually seen a dramatic shift over the last little bit where there's wide swaths of what I would say are the more affordable regions, either just east or west of downtown Toronto, or in the outer reaches, east, west, and north, probably a little bit more north and east, uh, in the York region and Durham region, where prices are actually settled at a point uh, where sellers are listing them at below what they actually want, and then bidders are coming in and bidding again. I wouldn't say it's a market frenzy, but uh, definitely that's an interesting change to the market. 
Is there an area where there was a price drop or decline? I'd say that we've seen price declines all over the GTA. Uh, condos in the central areas actually have been the most resilient. Uh, the biggest drops, I think, are the areas that had the biggest increases during the pandemic. So think of those neighborhoods that are far away from the city center, maybe on a larger plot of land, bigger detached houses, bigger in size. All of those houses saw a big run-up in price. And then the fall, there's been a lot of headlines and sensationalism about prices have fallen 15 or 20% or 25% in some neighborhoods. And while that's true, what we actually find is they're still at or slightly above where they were before the pandemic. So it's just sort of coming back to normal, back to earth again. Mm-hmm. And when we're looking at the top five most expensive communities for detached homes, uh, you know, we're focusing on York Region here uh, on this show, and three of the five communities were in York Region. Tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, definitely, uh, you know, York Region tends to have larger homes. It's uh, closer to uh, transit to be able to get downtown and things like that. And uh, we're seeing places like King on those big acreages uh, being one of the most expensive regions. Uh, Richmond Hill, uh, 1.8 million being the median price. Markham, 1.7 million. So those are definitely areas that we're seeing uh, in demand. The prices have fallen between 10 and 20% from the peak for those houses. But as I said previously, there's still uh, a smidgen, maybe let's call it 5 or 10 or 15% in some cases higher than they were pre-pandemic in all of those regions. How many communities did you cover in this analysis? So Wahi covers 400 individual neighborhoods. However, for this analysis, uh, just because there isn't necessarily a ton of transaction stats in every single neighborhood, every single day, week or month, we consolidated it up into 28 regions. And Benji, we were speaking with our first guest about the luxury market and noticed that there wasn't a lot of activity in that higher price range. How much of that do you contribute to the lower median pricing uh, as, you know, in terms of if we still had that, the average median pricing would be a lot higher. So how much do you think that absence of the higher price range has played a role in these numbers? I would agree with that assessment that there's way less activity in some of the more expensive price neighborhoods. And as a result, by definition, if there's fewer higher price home selling, it would bring the median overall down. What's unique about our analysis, though, is we're not just looking at the overall headline market number. We're actually going down to an individual neighborhood or community level. In this case, we look at an individual community level. And if we look at each of those communities where we're seeing the greatest level of activity are actually on the ones that are the most affordable for its type, whether it's a condo neighborhood, it's not necessarily right in the downtown core, it's going a little bit further east of the downtown core or west of the downtown core. If it's detached houses, it's not in the most expensive neighborhoods necessarily, it's in the ones that are slightly at the more affordable end, and we're seeing a lot more activity there. Are, are buyers or house hunters willing to expand their home search? Is that what you're noticing as well? It's interesting that you asked that question. Uh, we, we actually recently commissioned Angus Reed to do a survey of exactly that question. And uh, I, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but I think 69% of house hunters had an idea of where they wanted to look for their house. 
but the reality actually struck when they actually got into the search and found that uh, there was a percentage of them that got exactly where they wanted, uh, but there was also another percentage that had to expand their search and ultimately found something that was similar uh, but slightly more affordable. We actually have a really cool tool where we can help people do that uh, and enter all of the criteria that they're looking for, whether it's distance to a certain place of work or point of interest or downtown, as well as livability stats, et cetera. And then they can find a similar neighborhood, uh, perhaps. So we're finding that people are doing that uh, with our tool, and they're also saying that they're doing that in the surveys that we've done. And speaking of overbidding and underbidding, one of the regions that was hit the hardest in your report is Durham region, which saw some of the sharpest declines. But right now, we're seeing a lot of overbidding in that area. Is there a correlation with prices coming down and people looking at the affordability and then overbidding in those areas? I think 100% that's what's happening. Um, I think it's a combination of uh, that uh, run-up in prices. Those are some of the neighbors that saw the biggest run-up in prices. And then they're also seeing the fastest uh, decline in prices. But there's another factor as well, which is just affordability. Uh, it's simply put, uh, if you want to get a detached house or a semi or townhouse in the GTA, many of the most affordable areas are in the Durham region. And we're definitely seeing a struggle with affordability uh, due to the run up, the rapid run-up in interest rates. And as a result of that, uh, people still need to live somewhere, uh, but uh, they're maybe going just a little bit further out to get that size. And, and that's what we're seeing in Durham region right now. We often ask guests on our show to take out their crystal ball and give us a bit of a prediction about the season or the market ahead. What do you think the spring or summer market will look like? How will it play out? I think that we're in the middle innings of uh, the normalization uh, that's happening in the market. I think there was such a shock when short-term interest rates rose so quickly that uh, it resulted in very little transaction volume happening. However, uh, people, life goes on and people uh, need housing and sometimes uh, they, they want to move up or they get divorced or whatever the reason is. And uh, what I see happening is Sellers still holding on a little bit, but I think we're in the middle innings of this. I think we're going to see an increase in transactions in some of these more affordable neighborhoods. We're already starting to see um, spring buds of that happening right now. Our clients have been engaging in multiple bidding wars over the last several weeks, uh, so we're telling them to be prepared for that. Uh, but that being said, I don't think this market is... Uh, normal. I think it's anything but normal right now. I still think that it's probably going to take six or nine months for uh, buyers and sellers to come to agreement so that transaction volumes pick up to uh, where they've historically been. Benji, I know we got to let you go, but before we go, you have a really cool tool that Wahi's developed called Market Pulse that tells people if they're purchasing in overbidding or underbidding territories. Tell us a little bit about that tool and where our listeners can find it. So they can find it at wahi.com, W-A-H-I.com slash Market Pulse. Uh, just go to the Market Pulse section on our website. Um, you can also download our app in the iOS or Android store, um, and we have a number of cool features there as well. Benji, thanks so much for your time and for that great information. We look forward to reading your feature reports as well. Thanks, Asif. Thanks, Tina.
Thank you. When we come back, your questions for Asif Khan. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market. Time now for your questions for Asif Khan. And our first question comes from Jessa in Maple. She wants to know if a home inspection is required in the purchase of a resale condo. Asif, what do you think? Jessa, good question. And a lot of homeowners or condo purchasers will want to do that inspection and basically have the inspector come in and look around as to what's inside the condo. Now, because you don't have a roof or you don't have a basement to look at, the inspection is actually quicker and uh, just as thorough. Uh, They're going to look at the plumbing, the pipes. They're going to look at the furnace. They're going to give you a report. But there's not, uh, it's not as intricate as a full home inspection, but it's good to have someone go in and just give you that peace of mind that the plumbing is in good order, the electrical is in good order, and we see this more with older condos than newer ones, but uh, that's where we do see a, a few home inspections within the condo purchasing. Does a condo home inspection include appliances? Uh, Yes, the inspector will check the washer-dryer, the stove, the fridge, the dishwasher. They'll run the washer, they'll run the dishwasher, and uh, they will give you a report on those as well. We have another condo question next, this one from Mark and Vaughn. He wants to know what type of changes can be made to the interior of a condo. For example, he plans to change the floors and cabinetry, but is it possible to make space for a washer-dryer even though there's laundry in the building? What about adding a wall to create a closed space from what was an open den area? Lots of condo questions in there. Lots of questions and The easiest answer and the best answer to that is you need to speak to your condo corporation or look at the condo documents because that's going to be outlined. You may not be able to put a laundry in the unit if there's laundry facilities in the basement. Uh, You may not be able to put in walls or take out walls. So you really need to consult with the condo corporation. Usually they have a form that you have to put in the request. So if you're changing the flooring, cabinetry, and you have to get them to approve it prior to starting anything and the contractors that you choose have to be insured. There may be time limitations as to when you can do the renovations just so you're not disturbing the neighbors and the people above or below you in the condo. So the best thing to do and the first thing to do is talk to your condo corporation and read the documents as to what's allowed and what's not. So it's not as easy as just bringing a contractor in and starting the work or renovations. Not at all, because if you do anything that's not approved or not allowed, then you're responsible for taking everything out and putting it back the way it was. So it could be very costly if you don't consult with the condo corporation. Asa, from your experience, do condo owners know about these types of rules? They should. It, it should be made aware to them when they purchase the condo. And if not, there are condo documents. Usually when you get a status certificate from the condo corporation prior to purchasing the condo, all of the condo rules and regulations will be uh, part of that status certificate. So you want to make sure you read those. And especially with renovations within a condo, it's very rare that you could do anything that you want. You need to consult the documents and make sure that uh, those renovations and repairs are allowed. 
And the status certificate, is that transferred to the new owner or the owner, whether it's a resale or a new condo? So new condos don't really have a status certificate. It's the status of how the corporation is running mm -hmm. at the time of purchase. So you don't have a status certificate at the time, but you will have condo documents that you would want to read the rules and regulations and what's allowed, what's permitted. Uh, so in both cases, you would have those. As a reminder, if you have questions for On The Market, hit send anytime to info at 1059theregion.com. But Asif, if our listeners prefer to contact you directly, how can they do that? They can always email me at asif at thehomeshop.ca or they can call me at 416-985-5426. If you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. I'm Tina Cortez. Thank you for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.